Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being back with us today at this hour. Demand for homes has been increasing for the past several years with millennials giving it a big push, to the suburbs at least. But while demand increases, supply remains tight as baby boomers are staying put in their homes and not selling uh, to move, not planning to move to their retirement homes the way previous generations have. Even investors these days seem to be holding off. We'll break all of that down. Also at this hour, today we are celebrating an anniversary here at Good Morning New York, and I'll tell you all about it. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. I am your host, Vince Rocco. In the news this morning, the price of steel used on New York City construction sites has increased dramatically since late 2017 in anticipation of federal tariffs on foreign metals, according to several companies, adding to the already sky-high cost of construction here. The White House has proposed a 25% surcharge on steel and 10% on aluminum, though President Trump said last week that Canada and Mexico would be temporarily exempted. Uh, and that other countries may be as well. Nothing has been enacted, but the mere expectation has already shrunk foreign shipments and given domestic producers a a degree of control over the market they haven't seen since tariffs were instituted by former President George W. Bush. Our city is facing an affordable housing crisis. The president's most recent proposal would all but eliminate federal funding for affordable housing in New York City. If signed into law, 200,000 of New York's poorest families will pay nearly $1,500 more in rent per year. Such a drastic rent hike would force families to choose between keeping a roof over their heads and putting food on the table, a decision no parent should ever have to make. It gets worse. Trump's budget would also cut federal funding for New York's housing programs by $1 billion, leaving public housing in disrepair and families in unsafe living conditions. These budget cuts are some of the most severe we've seen in decades. They would fundamentally and dramatically change, for example, the Queens and Bronx uh, bedroom communities. All right, so today, Good Morning New York is celebrating four years on the air. We began this broadcast on March 24, 2014. The show has produced 206 hours of live broadcasting with so many of them with top leaders in the industry, uh, book authors, politics, uh, TV anchors, and many more. I'm delighted to be a part of a wonderful network like Voice America and especially on their variety channel. I have wonderful engineers both here in New York, in my New York studio, and also in Arizona, where the show is fed each week to the network. These guys in both states simultaneously keep me going and the show moving. As you can imagine, a live broadcast can involve many different challenges, and we've had hours. In the beginning, I would be a basket case, but today I feel like it's nothing to worry about because we always get things going just before that light goes on. There is all. This is all thanks to the people behind the scenes who care about this show as much as I do. It's a challenge each week to keep things fresh, but I think we do a pretty good job, but it really does take a village. With that, I also want to say thank you to my panel members, these dedicated professionals past and current, because without them, we would not have the successful show that we have each week. There are mornings that each of us are tired, cold, like I'm freezing this morning, uh, or just not with it, but by the time we hit air, all comes together brilliantly. Thank you, and guys in front of the camera, behind the scenes. I love what you do for me, and it really shows. Eternally grateful here with the ratings numbers I see each week. I'm humbled to think that we started with an audience of zero, audience of zero, and have grown to tens of thousands of listeners 
per week. Stay with us for more as we start season five. Thank you to everybody. Congratulations, Vince. Congrats, Vince. That's a huge you. accomplishment. Hey. Congratulations well to all of us. And we have special guests today. So with me is Phil Horgan uh, from leasebreak.com on his way, Sean McPeak from Compass, Matthew Cohen from Core, Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Real Estate, and today Lawrence Treglia from Core Real Estate. Good morning. Morning. Thank nice. you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, quick uh, take on the market this week because I have personally seen in my business such an uptick in such crazy busy um, open houses, crazy busy uh, requests for appointments. What are you all seeing out there as we come into, I guess, the second quarter coming up in a couple of weeks? What's happening out there? We we have seen just this month, we did $22.6 million of the contracts this awesome. month. And that's uh, totaling, I think, 18 since January 17th. 18 contracts. Unbelievable. Just, uh, I've done probably 25 million so far this year. Um, <clears throat> probably additional. We just got an offer on something for about 50 million. Um, Snap! There's been Break there we go. the crown, the crown uh, buildings penthouse went the oh, contract yeah. for 180 million dollars, 14,000 a square foot, um, 92, 92B, and 93B like at 432 Park. The combination unit went into contract and closed for 120 million dollars, a deal that not a lot of people are really talking about. Uh, so I think. I think things are looking pretty good on the super high ends and, you know, deals it's like trickling that, up. It's yeah. totally trickling yeah. up. I mean, deals like that can cause developers to build a super tall, right? But the, yeah. this is what I want to say, because I agree with what you just said, Louise. It's trickling up. Um, I had a penthouse on the market that we just went into contract for for seven and a half million dollars. And, you know, it was sitting around for, I don't know, a month or two or three. But all of a sudden, it's like such demand for people to want to see it. Not even, you know, they, they, I have to see it. I want to see but it. They now have buyers on where they want to go. They, people have not been able, first of all, confidence is up. The consumer yeah, well, across the board, they, we do know that interest rates are going to be climbing and it's inevitable. And I think that once you have that, that combination of confidence and a pent up desire, People who are highly educated, they're going to pull the trigger for the long term. And that's what I'm seeing. I think Louise is right. Pent yeah. up desire is uh, the key phrase there. I think there's a lot of people have been sitting on the sidelines and there hasn't been an issue with credit or, or wealth or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that stuff's been growing. Does this tune into new development or is this? It's across the board. I, I mean, see it across I, the board. I, I yeah, think okay. that, look, we've all seen a reset in the Uber luxury market. We've seen a reset in almost all of our sectors. I mean, the townhouse market is 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 adjusted i just closed a 10 literally a 10,000 square foot townhouse for 13.25 off of madison Amazing. In, in the 80s <clears throat> and that was renovated yeah so I, I will say though to give a different perspective like i think we're talking about a lot of luxury I, for me i've actually seen the market between 1 and 2 million slow down a little bit I, i've seen that it is not as strong especially in certain neighborhoods and i'm also seeing that when I have been doing transactions over the last months. They're taking longer to actually be completed. So, you know, they're taking a little longer on the sales side sometimes, or if not there, I'm actually seeing that it's taking a little longer. But from, don't you think that that's healthy? I mean, listen, yeah, I think it is. I, I, it's not like you're buying a T-shirt. No, 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 you know? I agree. I think that where I've seen a big difference is from accepted offer to contract. I've seen it that How take a lot. How long that takes? Yeah, so yeah. that over the last month or two, I've seen it take more like two weeks, actually, yeah, than yeah, the agree. typical like five and, business and days. And I think that, you know, the brokers that... Uh, 
are are not thinking for the bigger picture yeah. and putting pressure on buyers, you know, they have to have confidence in what they're selling. Agreed. And, you know, if it takes what it takes. And I think that when you you promote a pressure cooker, I think you lose this buyer's not gonna tolerate it. I think I think that that price point also um, is being affected by the sluggishness in the rental markets. Uh, so people who are looking in the one to two million dollar range are looking very closely at the rents as well and how that compares to their purchase. And when you have dropping rents, um, it's tempting to maybe rent something and, and take advantage of those concessions at that price point. I also just find like what we talked about last week. I, a lot of my clients who are in that one to two million are just really particular about their monthly costs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the product mm-hmm. they're looking at, a lot of the apartments they're looking at, have higher maintenance and taxes these days. So it's such an interesting... Plus higher like, interest rates because you don't live in the purchase price. That's that's a big thing. You, you live in the monthlies. But we're, just talking, but we're not talking about interest rates. We're just talking about taxes. Like yeah, I'm, I'm saying yeah. in addition to rising interest rates, right, you know, exactly. taxes, higher taxes. Which is why the sense of urgency is here today. And, you know, everybody tried to utilize the tax reform for a nanosecond about mm. leveraging negotiations, particularly when you have a townhouse that has $130,000 taxes. But at the end of the day, the 2%, it, there, there starts to be a wash on the adjustment in the tax rate. So I, I don't see that that's part of my conversation, that the interest rate is the game changer. And that's what we've been talking about for, for literally the last, all of his 17. And with that last interest rate increase on December 17th, it really sealed the deal for our 18. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Demand for homes has been increasing for the past several years with millennials buying more in the suburbs, obviously, than here in the city. But while demand increases, supply remains tight as baby boomers are staying put in their homes and not selling to move to their retirement homes the way previous generations did. They seem to be sticking it out a little longer, a little longer. Well, because their Even children if, are probably still staying home with them. Well, that's, that's, that's probably not my what, experience at all. Uh, well, well, I, that's what I wanted to get to. So even investors are not selling their properties as they are not able to cash out at the profit levels that they were in the past. Louise, I agree with you. I, I, I am I'm absolutely not, seeing, not that seeing that. In the but urban It's markets. been reported now for the past two weeks. So I wanted to get an understanding from all of your businesses. Are you seeing anything similar to this? Well, I just want to just remind everybody who's listening in the national market, the average house sale is $259,000. Right. So urban environments are are very, very different than national environments. And so what we're seeing, listen, I have people who are wanting to, who are selling their homes in Scarsdale (coughs) or Connecticut. They're buying a little place in the city. They're buying an investment property in Florida. Scarsdale is on sale. I've got two buyers right now from Scarsdale. And, 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 uh, and they're, and they're putting money away. So they are redistributing their assets for an income producing property. And they're leveraging a 10 year buy on the interest rate lock. If they choose to have one. And on the other side of that, the millennial market they carry 43 plus percent of all small mortgages across the country. That's that's amazing, from from a generational standpoint. It, it certainly is. I, th- I think we're seeing a lot of people hold on to their properties, and you know we're having some uh, s- some inventory and supply issues because because of what you're talking about. This trend, I think it's very very real, and the millennial buyer is merging across the country and becoming like the primary home buyer right now. 
Yeah, outside of the urban areas. But I'm also seeing a lot in my personal business and just recently a lot of empty nesters coming back to the city, two from Scarsdale and one who just um, signed the contract for the penthouse from Long Island. So, you know, middle-aged people, kids are out of school or on their way to college, they want to come back to... Are you referring to us as middle-aged? <laughs> well, you Can know, we talk no. about that? So, I mean, as a millennial, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a very big difference between the two generations we're talking about, like empty nesters who are coming back to the city per se, you know, they lived in a, I guess, a decade or a time period where I find at least where, you know, people have the mentality, when you get to your like second or third kid, we move to the suburbs, like we moved to Scarsdale, we moved to North Jersey, we moved to Long Island. I'm seeing, so nowadays I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing millennials are much more creative and they're trying to keep their home for longer and fit as many people as they can into their apartments. And like Louise said, I'm finding that they're being creative with their money and putting it places like Hudson and, you know, the Jersey Shore and Florida, like I actually haven't seen a lot of my clients or millennials that I know go into the Hamptons lately because they think it's very high. Well, but. I think I think that you're also going to see that that that's how the birth of what ha- what ha- what's happening in Brooklyn has happened. Now Queens, I had dinner with an entrepreneur that she has bought and she has built and sold. She's I think she's 32 and she is you know, looking at Sunnyside, Queens, and they bought a piece of land and they cleared the land and, you know, made $120,000 upstate. Mm-hmm. They're very resourceful and think <clears throat> and see and view things very differently. All right. We have to leave it there and take a break. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will continue on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Back with the panel, Bill Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Sean McPeak from Compass, Matthew Cohen from Core, Louise Phillips-Swarves from Halstead Real Estate, and Lawrence Tregular. Treglia today from Core Real Estate as well. All right, so rising prices and stagnant wages could make it very difficult for people to think of buying an apartment, especially if the prices continue to rise. Another hurdle in the path for buyers could be increasing mortgage rates that are predicted to reach 5% levels from the present 4% levels. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Combine these factors will cause many potential buyers to stop looking, lessening the demand. Experts predict that there could be a situation in the future where there could be more apartments on the market than buyers. And we've heard this all before. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if people will stop looking because of interest rates going higher. I think it could affect prices even more. Because, look, if people want to buy, they want to buy. They're going to look at their total nut, their total monthly Their buying power. Their buying power. Um, It's not like, oh, interest rates are higher. I'm not going to buy now. Because guess what? If they're going higher, they're not probably coming back down anytime soon. I mean, this is probably the new reality. But it may affect pricing. I mean, it just may. Well, it, it certainly should create a plateau for some period of time. But I also think that it's going to, if you if you are a buy and hold investor for rental property, they are waiting for that to be, it's going to cause first the millennial or the younger generations to not be able to buy as, and, and will force them to rent. And that will cause the rental market to increase. And what we said earlier about just like creating a healthier market, I think that interest rates rising will do so. I think it'll it it changes the market a little bit. Efficiency, I think, right? I think it'll not only lower prices a little bit, but I think it'll actually lower inventory because I think people will hold their properties more because they'll be used to numbers in the last year or two I, I and actually, not. I I think it's going to cause. I mean, look, every one of my clients who they're trying to buy for the next decade. And I came in the business when interest rates were 12.5%. And to borrow $100,000, it cost over $1,200 a month payment. But, it, but not to, you know, not to, I don't know, not to ignore that. But at the same time, like there's TV shows on that are called Modern Family and the New Norm for a reason. Like I think that the new norm is that people are used to what we had the last few years. And it's that kind of like, price tag effect. I think it's, you know, people plan and then when it actually happens, the shock of interest rates getting to like 6% is scary to people. And I think that they'll hold more, which then I think will replenish the rental market because I think buyers won't have as much to choose from that they like and then they'll rent more. So like, I don't know, I think it'll be healthy for the market. But in this particular marketplace in New York City and and, and probably in other parts of the country, but mostly here because that's what we know of. I mean, people just get stuck on everything. So when you're in a hot you know, seller's market and sellers are used to a certain price per square foot, you know, market shifts, market changes. They still want the same price per square foot. They still want the same, you know, overall price tag, whatever. I agree with you I on the interest rate. it's a matter of priority. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like for, my, for yeah. my people that I'm trying to, what's right for this person may not be right for somebody else. Absolutely. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, for those people that are in the suburbs and they have this new chapter, they want to live their life today. So if they're leaving $100,000 on the table in Scarsdale, they've, they've got an adjusted market in New York City to right. benefit from. Right. And, and, and I'm seeing a lot of that. And, you know, one of, the th- one of the point is, you know, even if we get to the 5% range from four, you know, give or take where we are now in the interest rates, I mean, come on, 5%. I mean, that is still 
so low. Investment bankers look at it as free money. You know, I talk about this all the time. My first mortgage, I think my interest rate was 17% my, the first time I bought something. And, you know, that was like, okay, that's the norm. That's what it is. You adjust your priorities. I didn't know any better because they weren't any lower. So that's what you do. Shortly thereafter, it started going down. And when it got to, I think, 12% or 11%, I thought, wow, I'm robbing the bank. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's what happens when you're a first-time buyer. Like, when you're a right. first-time buyer, a lot of things seem like it's always going to be that way. And then, so for me, at least, four or five years ago, a bunch of my first-time buyers, or not four, let's say like three, four years ago, who were getting like 2.8 interest rates. I mean, if they, if well, they you know, want to yeah. sell in a few years right. and interest rates are seven, you know, six or seven, that's a huge shock to people. And I would assume that the refi business right now is pretty decent because while the rates yeah. are still very low, people want to refinance depending on, you know, what their original rate was and, and stay down for as long as they can before things start rising. I mean, I still think that it's a great opportunity to buy. I tell people who come through and, and, and look at my stuff all the time. Honestly, guys, this is the right time, the best time for anyone who wants to purchase in New York City because everything ending up still says super time to buy. I mean, that's very simply. Regardless if they're staying for, say, two or three years. Two or three years, longer term. I find most people are in it for the long term. I think Louise said it before. You know, they come with the expectation this is going to be a seven to ten year investment. Now, of course, life changes and things change. Uh, but I think I'm seeing, at least, people are doing this for the longer term, maybe more so than ever before. I, 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 I think very few people have that short view. But to kind of what your point, I think you're getting at is that if someone said, look, I want to buy now and I want to sell in three years, I'd say. Mm. What's, your, what's your advice? Yeah. It's, 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 I, I'd always say, I, I would say don't buy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I would never time the market like that. I say if you're not going to hold for at least five, I, three to five, but probably five years. I usually say five to seven. Yeah. yeah. I usually say if you're not going to hold yeah. for five to seven, and I don't care if I lose a commission on it or anything. I just say, don't, please don't buy because you're, it's way too risky. I mean, you just, you're leveraging your money. It's probably for a lot of people the biggest i mean i was going to say asset it's, it's an asset but it's also the biggest liability that you have you have to be really careful and for those newer agents yeah. out there that respect that that client's going to give you for being honest is worth much more than any commission out there and it's going to give you lots of referrals mm-hmm. be like be assured of that right. just curious in your in your businesses what types of loans are you seeing more of are we still seeing a lot of arms ten ones. Are we seeing 10 ones okay uh, i've yeah, been seeing a lot a of fixed rate and yeah. so, as opposed to a thirty, you know, I, I'm. I, I woke up and th- thinking I was only going to be in my apartment for like five years, and you know, I probably refinanced my apartment twelve times. Um, but I, I think I have a rule of thumb that if you are buying, you know, six, six, a six room or bigger, that you should have at minimum a ten year plan just from a choice factor. I agree. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I also I saw a lot of ten years last year. I also got a ten year arm last year. Um, I but, also. but I'm actually I, I agree with Vince. Like my thirty year fixed have ticked in the last two months mm-hmm. a lot more. And <laughs> I, I I just want to say I think Lawrence brings up a really good point. Like those two to three year plans. I look at a lot of buildings in the city, like these some of these buildings on the High Line or Hudson Yards, 
and one bedrooms that are selling for like 2.1 million. Where's that going to go? Where's that going to appreciate? That's what I'm thinking. I'm uh, like, I guess I get that things like that make me nervous. And Luis, you, you particularly, I'd love to hear your opinion on this because it definitely makes me nervous. Things Listen, like that. Listen, I think it's, it, you know, I mean, uh, Jeff Blau and I had a whole conversation about them. Literally, you know, they had international people standing up trying to buy every one bedroom, two bedroom. They, they cut it off. They did not allow any more. And um, he said it was a very disciplined decision. But the first three months, they did 480 million contracts in three months. Um, I, my, my take is that I think it's part of sort of buying a piece of the rock. And so for some people in different countries, it's a placeholder. You know, the domestic investments, you know, I just learned that one of the top brokers at Douglas Elliman, who's an Upper West Sider, who's never owned an apartment in New York City, is buying at Hudson Yards, hmm. which I think was, you know, she's buying a 1,900 square foot apartment for probably eight or nine million dollars. And I was like, you go, girl. Really? That's very interesting. Yeah, Ann Cutbill. I was going to say, I said, oh, interesting. There you go. I think I knew who Sorry, that is. Sorry, Ann. Don't throw me in the She's great. It's okay. I just showed with her the other day. Um, no, I, you know, I, I totally agree. But, you know, to, to Sean's point before, you know, 2.1 or 2.2 for a one bedroom apartment. One bed, one bath. One bed, yeah. one bath. Yeah, but I, I think. Regardless of what your, 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 your think situation a, is, it, there is a ceiling on that. You know? Yes, but Agreed. for those, I, and I, I can assure you, and again, Jeff Lau will probably deny this. But <clears throat> I would say 90% of those will be international buyers that just want the growth asset or the displacement of the asset in the United States. There's, I mean, the like I think the prices at MEMA, for instance, uh, blow me away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting almost three thousand a square foot yeah. for a little tiny itty bitty apartment. I mean, I think on Forty Second Street. Yeah, yeah, Forty yeah, Second Street. Yeah. yeah, my personal hell is actually located right there. <laughs> But <laughs> my personal hell. <laughs> Port Authority, I just can't. I oh can't, my God, me too. Horrible. Uh, but they, like, <laughs> no, sorry, I, I, I agree. I completely agree. Oh my with God. Like, the day they built a building over that, like, I'm leaving. I mean, listen, <laughs> please, the place has nice views, but I mean, I, I think for fundamentally speaking, like, you have to have certain ceiling height. Um, I, I prefer to have a half bath in my mm, apartment if agreed. I'm going to pay that extra premium. Um, another interesting building is like the Jardim in Chelsea. Yeah. Um, that's got like a Star Detective mall. That's got like this Brazilian rain forest vibe you know zen thing but it's still one bed one bath <laughs> or one in rain but, it, but it's like this one bed one one bath 1.96 million um you know not a thousand square feet it's you know it's on 14th street yeah. well i mean like, like jeff blau is so smart though i mean he's but at the same time i wonder if someone like him is nervous about the because they just reached fifty percent, and that's near. It's like I wonder if they're nervous about the next fifty percent, you know? Because There's if they cut off those foreign, to, to be worried, <laughs> they need you. They definitely need you. Um, Listen, I don't know. You know but, but, but this is why I, I beg the question. You know, I just saw something pop up on one of my uh, systems last night. Uh, a building that I work in all the time, Midtown West. Okay, we've probably gotten at the height eight seventeen eighteen hundred dollars per square foot, and that's only. And I just where did, is this? Uh, five hundred five. Five hundred five West Forty Seven, and I just did a deal at sixteen sixty a foot for a one bedroom. Great deal. So something pops out. One of the penthouses comes out last night. I didn't get it, and I completely understand why I didn't get it. Thirty one hundred dollars <laughs> a foot, because I would have told this man, "You're congratulations." He's I, looking for osmosis. He's yeah. looking for something, but you know what? It's 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 asking for point five million dollars. I sold it to him for for two point 
five. Last year. <laughs> yeah. uh, two years ago. Two, wow. You know. Dude, the, so markets, gotta, the market's down from that water point. Water I mean, but, but see, this is my point. The market's yeah. down from that point. You get people like this who try and still say or push out their, their arrogant numbers with, the market's strong, I'm going to get this. I'm gonna, even if I don't get 4.5, I'll get 4 million. I mean, but you know what? But that's why we can't generalize. You could always find a broker that will tell you what you want to hear. Right. And, and that's ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Like, you know? And it's an unknown broker and an unknown brokerage, so it's like, good luck to everyone. Um, and I hope he sells it because listen, that'll raise the comps for me in the building, right? But right. I don't. Know I will tell you, like when I first started in the business, I took a deal that I, I really thought in in my heart I could have got this amount of money for it, one point two million for this like little duplex. And I, you know, I was like, this like little duplex. There's like thirteen. There's like thirteen on Thirty Fifth Street, thirteen or fourteen years ago. And I really believed it. So maybe this broker also really believes it. Who knows? So because I believed it, the owner believed it, and we had it on the market for a year and a half. <laughs> I never sold it. The price kept dropping. It eventually went to another broker, sold it for like six hundred thousand. But I want to say, but, oh but, the, but the market crashed during that time too. To oh, be fair, oof. but I want to say one of the <laughs> hard, hard races. And that is, guys, this is a lesson for all the agents out there. I did at least seven deals off of that deal. Of course, absolutely closed deal. So that's just something like you know for. And that's what it's all about. All right, we have yeah. to leave it there and take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Back. So we all know it is generally a bad idea to purchase, make a purchase sight unseen, but there are savvy New Yorkers who have long done just that, buying condos and new developments before construction is finished and buying off of floor plans uh, in an off-site office. It works like this. In exchange for getting in early and putting down a, a deposit, buyers score the opportunity to purchase a preferred mm-hmm. unit in a new building and sometimes the ability to choose finishes and other features for the apartment. 
that doesn't happen often, but I can see it's happening sometimes. Developers help prospective buyers visualize unbuilt condos using floor plans, model residences, 3D renderings. Buyers will sign a contract and put down their deposit, sometimes two to three years before the building is actually finished and ready. Sometimes even before there's anything in the ground. These buyers know that prices will go up later as the developer is trying to create buzz through signed contracts. The risk involved for buyers who put down a large deposit are demonstrating their faith. Uh, the building will be finished on time and on and with uh, to specifications that the developer promised. All of these things are part of the wish list. And with so much new development in New York City already completed, pre-construction condos face serious competition for buyers, especially for those who may not want to take occupancy. So, you know, the world has changed over the last several years as we've been in this business. And so... Are you seeing many people comfortable enough, I say sight unseen, to buy off of floor plans in an off-site sales office with, you know, my kitchens and bathrooms and floors versus actually going into the unit because the building is finished uh, and yeah. seeing well, what it really feels you like? You have those people that are buying, regardless if you're spending, I would say two and more, two million or more because they're going to bring <clears> their entourage, they're going to bring their architect, they're going to bring their interior designer, they're going to bring their closet planner they're trusted advisors. So I've experienced that twice and it's been good luck. And then um, they were out of the country. So they, they bought side unseen because they've had that they had their their entourage of trusted advisors. I mean I've I've done both. I've I've sat in sales offices where I've sold complete whole buildings off of floor plans in and like I said in a, in a in a mock sales office. And there's a certain amount of, you know, thrill to to doing that as a buyer because you're really kind of betting on the finished product when you don't really know what it may look like other than what I'm showing them in a sales office. You're looking at the dimensions, you're you're understanding what the exposures are, what your apartment is facing or not facing, etc. And then you go away for a year or two, sometimes a little longer, and you think, all right, well, so now I have to, the building is finished, now I'm being told I have to close, now I have to go on the walk, go through the walkthrough, and I'm going to see this apartment for the first time ever. So, I, what, I mean, you know, we don't do a lot of that today, but it still does exist. So I find, I don't know if it's a today or past thing, I find that sight unseen is a wave. I find that it comes in waves. <clears throat> like I I did nine sight unseal investment, sight unseen investment deals in Harlem two years ago, just that year. And um, and I find that most of these transactions are new developments. I, I think that it revolves around the excitement of something new for people internationally. Like think it's about- It's a little easier to roll the dice. Right, like, I, like think about like one seaport was done so much internationally. Um, Beekman, you know, projects that are brand new and pretty to people like Hudson Yards. Like, and, I think and it's And I think it's, if they're big enough, the, yeah. the, I mean, look, there's risk. The earlier you're in, the earlier, if it doesn't take and they're leveraged highly, then you might find yourself where you're in contract for a premium instead of at the discount. But I, I think uh, my experience has been I've, I've, I've had the wind at my back most of the time. You can always do FaceTime and Skype at the sales office or at any, whether it's a new development or the an apartment that exists, which I've done on both ends and it came out, I, it was fine. I'm talking to a developer now and we're, we're deciding, he is deciding on whether he wants to go into um, a sales office or if he wants to wait until the building is done. If we go into a sales office, that'll be September-ish. Uh, building probably won't complete until mid-next year. So it really becomes a, a matter um, for these guys. Do we want to wait that long to sell? 
Do we want to start getting some contracts signed, some buzz out there that, you know, the building is 20% sold, 30% sold, 35% sold? And, you know, there's always the question, what should I do? It's a hard one to answer. I, I, I You've also, done so much of I, this. Yeah, and I have a very clear opinion about that. I think you have to um, analyze and, and assess your project, is it a user project or is it going to be big enough that it's going to have an, an investment, an investor concentration? Right. So for myself, uh, you know, in conversions, I rarely have an investor, um, just just the way it kind of right. rolls. Right. Um, and so I, I think that those are two different answers. Um, I think doing, when you have a building like Hudson Yards, or you have I a agree. building like one seaport that you're going to be attracting, you know, you, 36 months out, longer even. Do you is think fine. this also has an impact on how fitted the sales office is? Because Absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah, 111, yeah. 111 East 57th Street, I mean, Michael, you know, spent $5 million on that sales office. And by the way, he's not even open yet. And, and he's had it. 53rd is another very. And, well, that's not been a very successful. Well, and, and that's and in that, terms of just the. Office and but but Michael's not even formally on the market for right. three years now, and mm-hmm. that's why it becomes increasingly more difficult. They're doing so quiet deals, right? Well, they but have to, to, to your to point of one eleven. Like I think that it also depends on the project. Like I mean, not only conversion wise, but how high end is the project? How big is the project? Like I think that you know I always say I think that smaller buildings should be more complete to sell them so you can show units like however, under 10 however, units. However, 498, 498 West End Avenue, which is a prime, prime location right. to have 3,800 and 4,000 square foot, you know, homes that are built turn of the century scale, right. you know, is unusual. And I had, I didn't even have sheetrock up. It was like they were dumps. They weren't even, but, but we felt and the pulse of the market and made a, mm-hmm. a, a decision in motion. It was not planned. It How was many like, units are in that building? It's only 35 at the end of the day, but I did, a, my first phase was 11 units, which I got. I full, think there's a lot of safety. But they're large, but they're I was, large units. Yeah, I was thinking office. something more like under 10 units or like 10 units. I think that they, those should be complete. Well, I think that you also have a lot more risk if, if, if the developer can't perform. I mean, look at right. their stuff exactly. that... Uh, down in Tribeca, um, uh, in Tribeca, one of the units went into foreclosure. Yeah. And so the neighbors, it was a four-unit development project, and the neighbors paid, you know, 7.4 and 6.4, and this unit went into foreclosure and traded for 5.3. No, you get your money back, right, in that case, the buyers? <laughs> No, the buyers. They put the, no, no, they put the, no. no, they put the contract down. No, no, they all killed the asking? last unit was not completed. He took it off the market to complete the construction yeah. because the market shifted hmm. and he went into foreclosure and it traded for three, six. Hmm. Here's another, I mean, 200 Amsterdam Avenue um, <clears throat> on West 67th Street, I think is coming to market at some point this year building, right. you know, they're out of the ground, whatever, but sales office opportunity, you know, you talk an apartment starting at about four, four, five and going up to 35 or 40 million. These are all going to be very, very Where's large. This? Um, 200 Amsterdam, 67th yeah, yeah, yeah. Street. That's you know, our project. That's our project. And so this, this, I mean, this is a situation where, you know, if I were the developer, you know, how many 35 million, 25 million apartments are we going to sell on the Upper West Side of, uh, of Manhattan? I'm not sure. I think there's a market for it. I I think think well, he's selling, he's the same thing that happened at 111 West 67th Street at the Millennial Towers. Yeah. Um, I, I think that 
you know, he's selling uh, a lifestyle and I think he is patient and Very the base so. of that building is going to be, you know, he has a lot of fat in that deal. So um, I also, think he's going to do really well. I think, of, also, I think one of the best sales offices of all time was 50 West Streets. Have you ever been in that sales office? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like a lifestyle model. Yes. And they had like a moving screen where you could yes. see the view from every single apartment. I just thought that was a very special office. And to me, a very difficult sale because that's yeah. like not the greatest location well, ever. I mean, I, I see a lot just, of at Greenwich and it's like that, that's all, a weird location. That's all about location in that particular situation. But I, think but I also killed it. 157 I was, just like if, was also a great sales office. If the, the question day. is to have a sales office or not, I think what Louise said is important. Like it depends on the market. Absolutely. I think right now you have so much new development for buyers to choose from. I think Absolutely. it's important to be able to have your experience be the best one. I mean, look at um, Waterline Square like way west um, on 50, what, 58th to 60th, all the way on the highway. I mean, one West End sold beautifully, like sold really well. So after that, they're all trying to catch up to that. And it's it's like, it's hard. But they paved the way also. They paved the way. So I think that... That location is tough, man. (laughs) It's a real location. It's like, take so long from the subway, it's like the longest walk. This is a destination. They have shuttles. And it's windy. (laughs) <laughs> Very, but don't wear skirts. Yeah. Uh, I almost got blown over on Saturday. All right, let's move on. The notion that New York City's real estate market is a safe haven for local, domestic, and foreign investors has become the guiding ideology for many developers, investors, landlords, and brokers. Why? I mean, it's a, it's a big pool to be shopping from. I mean, uh, the amount of domestic buyers that are bought, have bought at 220 Central Park South. Yep. And that is an interesting process, by the way, of selling that whole bespoke, like you have to be invited. The fact that Sting was interviewed uh, by Steve, I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, that's, it's a whole, that, that's a whole different scene over there. I mean, I, I don't necessarily quite understand. I feel like I now know a, I've arrived because I can get an appointment there. It's a one-man one <laughs> co-op board. Yeah. yeah. Hello. But 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 what but what but what is the point of that? I mean, what? Why? I think that that's a philosophy. I mean, listen, when you when you it, it's supply and demand, and if you can't have something necessarily, no matter who you are, it becomes an interesting possibility. And I know that I myself was intrigued. Um, the the one deal that I did in there, you know, I I probably had eight people that passed on it. Because they were uncertain about the market, but the fact that that we could get an appointment—it's a luxury. It's a luxury right, to be able to do that. I mean, it's just a—it's—it's it's just a dynamic product. It's know? also perception. It's like yeah. what Louis said. When people are intrigued, I mean, that's one of the reasons. You know, related had such a long list for Hudson Yards. Well, like people were so intrigued by what was going on. Wait, are we losing sight of the question? It was the question: Why do people buy in New York? Or my, or was I? Did I misunderstand? No, it it, it says the notion oh, yeah, that the New York City real estate market is a safe haven. <laughs> right. Yeah. Safe so safe. Place, so safe place yeah, So I think. To, to, I mean, no, I agree with what you guys said that <laughs> it, that's why it's exciting to buy here in this certain cool projects. But I don't think that's why people buy it for a safe haven. Well, I think they buy it for a safe haven. Well, uh, but I think as, as we were saying, I mean, it, you know, foreign people feel yeah, safer putting their money here in New York than they do anywhere else. Exactly. In the world. But I'm saying it's not because like, oh, you know, someone was interviewed by this person and it's all cool. No, I, I, no, you know I, don't, disagree. I no. don't disagree with that. But I think that 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 it is if you're going to roll the dice, you're going to roll the dice in New York City Absolutely. before you roll the dice in Atlanta. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, totally look at look at the <laughs> the Vegas. South Florida marketplace when the 2008 financial crisis hit. I mean, all markets were affected. Certainly, we were here in New York City. 
but we uh, bounced back relatively quickly compared to everybody else. The South Florida market took years and years. And uh, and and Los Angeles. Guys, the investor concentration in LA, Las Vegas, and Miami was north of 48%, Mm -hmm. and in in some locations, 60%. It's a speculative market. Concentrated investor market. That's amazing. And remember that only 38% of New York City is able to even be bought. That's correct. That's, an, that's, so that a, that's is, a phenomenal statistic that most people in the world don't really even understand. That is a uh, preservation of mm-hmm. wealth opportunity. It's an island. That's another reason. It's not like, you know, in Vegas, you could build out. You know, right. people were just buying homes. They were kind of creating new land. Well, the desert, you can go anywhere you exactly. want in any direction. Sideways, yeah. up to, you know, whatever. Right. But this... Right. this <laughs> Can't build on Central Park, right? And you can't, right. certainly can't build. Somebody said to me, looking at one of my, my listings and looked out and said, well, I guess this is pretty safe because they're not going to build in the river. But she was really serious about that. And I thought, no, they're never going to build on the Hudson River. Trust me. That's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, that's what they said about Trump. How along Riverside Boulevard. But at least he landed true. on land. That's this true. one was, <laughs> was, was thinking that maybe they're going to landfill and build that. out. And, you know, maybe we'll push the, the boulevard Battery out. And City I'm like, Park? I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, we'll be back after these messages. We are live from Blastoff Productions here in New York City. You're listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back with Phil Horrigan, Sean McPeak, Matthew Cohen, Louise Phillips-Forbes, and Lawrence Tregulay from CORE. All right, the final nail in the coffin for the buyers could be the proposed legislation that limits the deductions for property tax at just $10,000. These higher taxes may discourage many individuals sitting on the fence because it makes home ownership less advantageous. There is also a proposal to cap mortgage interest deductions for homes priced up to $750,000, which will especially deter buyers from buying high-end homes, lowering the demand for these luxury properties and depressing the prices. This is a significant change since luxury homes are already seeing slower growth in home prices compared to other price points. Some thoughts and comments on that? Have we see, are we seeing rather any of this in our businesses? I, I can safely say I lost one deal, uh, pretty high end, um, uh, because of all this stuff. Really? Yeah. What, what was it? What they say? What was the issue? Uh, you know, they can't write this off, and the deductions aren't you know suiting their needs, and mm. it's a cash deal. By mm. the way, it was in the seven seven point nine was the asking price, um, and I'm not so sure they went away for good. But I think he was just really considering all of his options. This is about three or four weeks ago, and a I, lack of clarity is definitely yeah. causing pause. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it's very unclear at the moment, and people don't really know. I don't think they're getting the right advice from their attorneys or their bankers. Well, I think that the accountants, the I mean, I think the account, my accountant has been on the phone with a number of my clients, <clears throat> really helping them understand the cause and effect. Like, this is what mm-hmm. happened last year. This is what's going to happen this year. Right. And, and if you right, bought last year, this is what the differential would be. And leverage your relationships. Yeah, will will people buy more in an LLC? Yeah, I heard that. I think so. I heard that trend. Purchasing in an LLC. I yeah. moved all four of my pri- well, property but you can't, my co-op <clears throat> into an LLC. I was going to say, you can do that in condos, but you can't do that in, in co-ops. Some co-ops. Some, and, and not, I, some, but not, not, not too many. So what would be the benefit? Like, why I mean, do that? I think. Well, I rent, I rent some of my property. Right. And I can run, I mean, even if I did an Airbnb for two weeks for 25000 bucks. at What at the? My, <laughs> sorry. That's illegal. Or, <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, no. No, it's I, not. Two weeks. Is, if you're there. Are you there? Outside if you're there. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, <laughs> we, run it, we run it through the LLC and I write off all, all, the, all my expenses. And I have a loss back. And, and isn't there also in in rental properties like if it's an LLC, isn't aren't I mean, you my, not liable if something beach house happens? My house is now rented, or, and it's a hundred and ten thousand dollar rental. But in the case of like that something happens with the tenant, doesn't it also take the liability off of the owner if it's put into the LLC? Yeah, right. Well, that's, that's, right. I think that's a huge. But Louise, um, did you did you make any of these changes because of the tax law, or is it just un, unrelated to that? No, no, no. As a result of the tax, okay. and in preparation mm-hmm. for me to do a ten thirty one tax exchange. Mm-hmm. The tax law is more advantageous for commercial Absolutely. property owners than for individual homeowners. I think is the point you know, that I, people need to understand about the whole thing it's actually it's good overall for the bigger picture of real estate but it just individually does hurt families i think it's going to be much more severe in the suburbs and you know like louise said before the uh you know average home is two hundred fifty nine thousand dollars. i mean between there uh, and, yeah, and, and like the suburbs i think these these laws are going to have a much bigger impact than our market here i also just think at, that interest rates are going to affect people more than when this. you look at taxes in rye that have you know fifty thousand mm. dollar 
you know, 0.80 of an acre because of how awesome the school districts are, I do think it's going to play into that. But I think, I think what I, I think the human, how it's going to affect human behavior is not something that's a, a light switch. It's going to take time. It's just like when they changed how bonuses got paid after, after the Great Recession in Wall Street. It took like four mm-hmm. years for it to be implemented mm-hmm. into our market. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. Um, I'm, I'm surprised about the size of the deal you lost, Vince. Um, yeah, too. I was going to say, like, I, because I, it, I that, agree. That doesn't tip the scales too much at that level, right? Yeah, I don't think that it affects high end, so that's surprising. Like, I think I, if it's going to affect anything in the city, it's 1.5 and below. My thought on that was that he was on the fence anyway, because I sold that apartment two and a half weeks later. It is now in contract, uh, very Mazel close tov. to the asking price. But I think yeah, I think it was more of a of a I don't really know if I really 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 want to do this yet right. or is it the right move because you're right that the the price point that's really affected is under two million dollars I believe where people are going to stand up and say I need to think about this I just think he this particular guy was not prepared to when spend that kind of money that January was, no that was uh, what is this end of February uh, mid to end of February. Because I was going to say, like, I think that there were a lot of lost deals before the tax, you know, bill reform before got completed. Janet, correct, correct. Because there was so much uncertainty of what it was going to be. It, December was a mess because present. people just didn't know what was going to happen and if it was even going to get passed. Once it got passed in January, then it was it was okay. All right, part of the problem in New York City, we're going to go back to the baby boomers, is the issue uh, the country's facing baby boomers, the high volume, aging member of the baby boomer generation are reluctant to sell their homes, creating limited inventory. We talked about this before, which pushes home prices up even higher. Historically, older populations would sell their homes after the children moved out uh, or and, and, and they were about to retire. But this is happening less and less, resulting in a decline in housing turnover. Now, I got to tell you something. As I said just a little while ago, I'm working with two couples that are empty nesters. You know, they are baby boomers. They're selling their homes in Westchester. They're moving into the city. So I don't know that this this research that I was looking at is correct across the board. I mean, I think some people are staying put and not necessarily moving to a retirement home. And that retirement home for my, my buyers happens to be New York City. Go figure. So wh- are you seeing people really just hesitating with uprooting their life from a, a suburban house and coming into the city? I mean, specifically New York City, not, you know, Florida, California, or wherever. I, I did just have a, I met with a couple two days ago, and it seems like they're doing the reverse, sort of. All their kids now are grown up, got out of college, and they're living in suburbs. And so they have a place here. They've mm-hmm. had, they bought a place with me, say, seven, eight years ago mm-hmm. and in the city, and now they want to sell it because all of their grandkids are going to be like in the suburbs. And I was like, you guys are doing the reverse Rivers. here. They're like, I know. So I don't know if there's a trend. Maybe Matt knows if the millennials are more buying in the suburbs. I, I saw something I had, about I that. I had an offer I, the other day from a, uh, from a couple from Riverdale. And they have a pretty large house up there. And they're the older. TV show or the town. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they're full from the Bronx. And, and they, um, they're just looking for it to do, you know, a gut renovation of something. And uh, kind of they want, a, they want a third bedroom, you know, for the grand, grandkids to come visit. And that's, that's a trend. So know, one of, seen. That's like one of my favorite things about being a real estate broker in New York City is that the suburbs make our city very interesting because the suburbs around New York, yes, for the most do. part, have a lot of wealth, number one, and they have great schools. So what that brings is 
great taxes. So mm-hmm. like a lot of these towns like Roslyn and Scarsdale and, and, you know, places in Connecticut and North Jersey, like Alpine, they have very high taxes. So when people are empty nesters, they usually want to get rid of their homes because the taxes are so yeah, high. Yeah. The taxes in Westchester, I can tell you, are out of control. Yeah, they'll move to Connecticut or they'll move here. Right. But you also see people that they lose their spouses, mm-hmm. and I, I I find it more that woman can a woman can acclimate them herself to adjust from moving from a house and going into a one bedroom and just downsizing. Where I I see the man will still remain out in the. Mm. Well, we outlive you guys. When somebody when somebody <laughs> statistically most husbands pass away within one year. Right. After the death of their mate hmm. and women, we just outlive you guys. All right, there you have it. And unfortunately, <laughs> On that note, have to leave it there. <laughs> this is a, what a way to end the program. <laughs> That's it for today. Thanks to my guests and panel, as always. Until next time, be kind to one another for all of us That's at Voice so America all around the world. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and I will <laughs> see you true. next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.